Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I've got two guests with me. We're looking forward to a good conversation. I have Pastor Dale Van Dyke and Pastor Adrian Crum. Dale is the pastor of uh, Harvest OPC in Wyoming, Michigan, just a little bit south of Grand Rapids. And Adrian Crum is a recently called associate pastor there, pastor of youth and evangelism. And we wanted to talk to both of them today a little bit about how this call comes about and how they see it playing out uh, in their church, particularly the emphasis on evangelism. We're going to learn a lot about these guys probably as we talk, but Dale and Adrian, I'm going to jump right in with a question. Uh, Dale, probably for you, because my first question is before Adrian is even on the scene at Harvest. Could yep. you talk about the session and the idea of calling? What I understand is Adrian's a pastor of youth and evangelism. Evangelism isn't just tacked on there. It's an important, maybe a primary yeah. part of his call. Could you talk about the need for that, how you think about the vision for that before you even know who the man is as it fits in with Harvest Church? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, Brad, this is something that we've been wrestling with for uh, you know several years at least. As we're planting churches, um, we're, we're thinking about how do we, how does Harvest Church have a meaningful impact in our community. And, uh, you know, we're good at uh, drawing people from sort of Dutch reform backgrounds, but uh, how do you reach people who have no background, spiritually speaking at all? So a couple of years ago, we had Eric Kur de Andrade, who is now down the pastor down in uh, Parkside, down in the Denver area. And Eric was here for two years. And Eric really gave me sort of a vision for what it could look like in, when you have a truly God-gifted evangelist on staff. He is, he was just one of the most pure evangelists I've seen, so easily um, able to talk to people and and move conversations to spiritual things. So that was really what moved us in that. In fact, we had a call to uh, Eric, but he decided to to be uh, the senior pastor and, instead. And, uh, and, and the Lord is blessing him greatly out there. But we, we, um, we were happy to didn't just shift that uh, very similar call, but the, uh, the same vision for sure. And, and the Lord brought us Adrian. So the, the vision was just to have someone who is gifted in evangelism, right? God gives the gift. And uh, I remember reading a book, Surprising Insights of the Unconverted by Tom Rainer. This probably, I don't know, eight years ago already. But he just talked about how ch- for churches to grow evangelistically, you have to have uh, the gifts in the congregation, preferably the pastor. But it, but it can be anybody in the congregation who's able to start gathering people and and train people and move them forward in that mission. So that's the vision. Be, that's the vision behind it. Good. That's helpful, Adrian. As you uh, were able to consider this call to harvest, uh, maybe you were considering other calls, other capacities at churches. I wonder how you thought about this call with the specifics of youth and, and particularly evangelism. Did you ask different questions of yourself and think about your gifts differently than maybe other calls because there's an emphasis here? Did you uh, consider different questions to the church and, and what they had in mind? How did you process considering whether God was calling you to this specific task, even as opposed to 
maybe the, the quote-unquote normal call that, that other uh, younger men might be considering to be an associate here or an associate there? Sure. The Lord really worked out the call to harvest. I, it's, it's a supernatural thing that I didn't completely, could, really wouldn't have planned myself or, or could have figured out on my own. But I was uh, ministering as an associate in other contexts and really loving and, and uh, being encouraged by working with college-age kids, actually, and then doing some evangelism myself, kind of on the side in some sense. It wasn't a big aspect of my uh, calling at that congregation. But um, it, it was two things that I really, really was just felt called and suited to and, and enjoyed. And so as, as the congregation said, you know, we, the original plan was to be more focused on just exclusively evangelism. They were looking for a pastor who would be giving all of their time to evangelism. And then they, they added this thought of saying, what if youth ministry was actually taking an outward turn? We could actually... Yes. Uh, have the strengths of the young kids, the zeal of the young kids. And oftentimes they kind of put us to shame in the church for how once they want to share their faith and have someone lead that charge. And I thought that is just a spectacular idea. I'd love to, to combine the discipleship that I'm enjoying with college age here. It's high school age at Harvest with this, this focus on let's share the gospel with people who don't, don't know Christ at all. Dale, as you considered Adrian, were, were you and the session asking different questions? I mean, I know, I know you have other associate pastors called to, to different tasks. What kinds of questions were in your mind when you say, we needed a man with the gift of evangelism? I think we know what that phrase means, but could you put a little more flesh on it? Like, what were you looking for? Was it his experience and quote unquote success in evangelism. What it was it just a sense you had as in talking to the man? How did you guys think about Adrian in particular and whether he was suited to what your vision was? Yeah, I uh, it so as we're thinking about an evangelist, every every um, person with the Holy Spirit wants to do evangelism to some degree, right? Uh, you can't if you love Jesus and and people, you, you want to. To share that, but we believe there is such a thing as the gift of evangelism, and that I think looks like an ability to to have conversations with strangers, um, ability to have spiritual conversations, uh, ability to to teach and, and to speak the gospel in simple ways that people can understand, uh, ability to maybe open up the Bible with them and just and 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 bring them to a better understanding of the gospel. So there's uh, so much of it is it has to be the zeal, but there has to be just those those raw gifts as well of of being able to engage in those conversations and then in, in a in a way that draws people to Christ. And then a lifestyle that goes along with it. What what we loved about Adrian was the, you know, he grew up handing out tracks. He grew up talking to people about Jesus and he and he grew up doing it in Spanish, which is a you know great benefit in our area as well. We have a very, very large Hispanic community that that we're hoping to reach. But it's just part of the way Adrian does his Christian life. Uh, and I think that's the gift of evangelism. So, uh, and he has a passion for that. So, yeah, though, we're looking for someone who actually has those kinds of gifts, and then the experience. You know, he can point to, yes, I've, I this is this is how God has used me in the past. It's the same if you if you were calling someone to be a, a preacher, you you would say, has anyone confirmed that? Have you had what experience have you had? How have people responded to that? So, I, I think that's what we're looking for. And to talk about, uh, you know, Adrian specific as uh, for this call because the youth are involved. Uh, we needed someone who liked, really enjoyed young people and was able to build relationships with young people. Um, that the the call 
we don't we don't see the call to youth and evangelism as sort of just grabbing two things and trying to smack them together. But it really is part of our idea of trying to change the culture of the church. And um, to, so if you can take, we got, what, 40, 50 young people and get get them actually focusing outward. Not only does it benefit the young people as they're now um, sharing their faith and these kids get so excited by that. It also helps them to grow in their faith as they have to ask answer questions they maybe haven't thought about before, but also helps them realize, you know, just the blessing uh, it is to be a Christian. And and uh, I'm just uh, convinced that as they get a zeal for that and experience in that, I think then, you know, sitting around the dinner table with mom and dad, that begins to, sh- to flow out. And I think it's just a, a one way that you can really impact a culture. So that's an interesting point there, kind of a twist on things, if, if I'm kind of hearing it correctly. Almost start, not maybe not starting with the youth, but really seeing the youth as the vehicle or... Uh, I, I can't think of the phrase you just used, but really the impetus as Adrian works with the youth and the youth get excited. And then that affects the dinner table, that affects the families. Uh, we might be prone to think the other way. Call a pastor, he'll teach adult Sunday school, he'll he'll create right. a culture of adult Sunday school. Maybe that'll sometime reach the kids. Can you both uh, maybe talk about that little, maybe it doesn't seem like a twist to you, but it, it does seem like a twist to me and probably some of the listeners that, uh, you know, a counter thinking. Could you talk about that a little bit? Uh, maybe start with you, Adrian, and then Dale, you can chip in too. If I, I think if I understand what what is the twist that you're talking about or, or the surprise, we did have some questions as I was coming in from parents who were just asking, are kids ready to be taken right into evangelistic context? I mean, is it safe? Is it safe for them to share their faith in context of non-Christians? And what I said was, I can't think of a better way to test, like Pastor Dale was saying before, test the reality of their conviction than to say, articulate why someone needs a Savior. I mean, what's really wrong with us? Um, What is the real spiritual problem? Who are we uh, before a holy and righteous God? And why do we need Jesus so um, particularly? And one of the first things I did when I came to Harvest was take the youth to uh, Boardwalk Chapel, if our listeners are familiar with that, a ministry in Wildwood, New Jersey, that's been going for a long time. But that, that's exactly what happened. There were kids just day after day after day are under the influence of very um, probing and, and insistent evangelism, p- pursuing non-Christians. And they, many of them were asking me at the end, you know, wh- um, what is faith? What is repentance? What does this look like? I want to grow and I want to make sure that I myself am a Christian. So I think it, it's actually served really, really well in maturing the faith of, of these young people as they're sharing their faith as well. That's helpful. Dale, do you have any thoughts on that, you know, so, somewhat counterintuitive kids' zeal going up rather than, hey, adult Sunday school, and, and maybe it'll reach the kids? Yeah. Well, I, I, I got the idea from a guy named Gus Diamonditas, um, who I met uh, probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. A lot was happening 10 years ago. But I, he had been a, a youth pastor for 20 years in a large church, and, and that's exactly what they did. So I, I really just picked his brain on that. And I think the, the things you have going for you by engaging the youth is the uh, the natural zeal in a sense of enthusiasm. They're willing to be challenged. Uh, they have time, and it it really does transform their life when when they have when they see someone come to faith or just have a meaningful conversation with a with an unbeliever about the gospel. Uh, we saw kids coming back from from boardwalk and uh, and other experiences like that that really impacted them. And I and just 
it has to start somewhere. It, it most likely isn't going to start with the adults. We've had Sunday school classes where we've taught evangelism. Somebody has to cross the line, the pain threshold in a sense, and actually engage our culture. And But once that starts happening, and once people start coming and being converted and then being discipled, I think that's that can change a culture, and that can draw in mom and dad and the rest of the congregation. Uh, I wonder how you two see this working out uh, on the ground uh, as you think about a plan going forward. What uh, I assume that the emphasis is on the youth, but also maybe drawing the adults into that as well, or, or, or maybe not, but just a couple thoughts. I mean, Adrian, I think you told me you're three months into this, so you're, you're, you're brand new, you're, you're just hitting the ground and getting to know people. What are a couple things you're doing, Adrian, to kind of get things started? What do, what do you have on the horizon in the next, or what have you done already, or what do you have on the horizon to kind of get the ball rolling? One of the, the helpful things that I heard in seminary a few times was um, before you come in and just make drastic changes in a church, make sure you understand the grain of some of the things that are already happening. And, and uh, so I, I do see this first period as getting my bearings and trying to understand what are all the the ways that people at Harvest in the spheres where they already are, the friendships where they already are, are sharing the faith. How can I get to know them, uh, learn from them, and, and be in some of those circles with them, and then uh, and then see how we can coordinate some of these efforts? Max Stiles says in his book, The Nine Marks Book on Evangelism, that the church is actually the best instrument of evangelism, not just lots of random individuals which need to be trained. I mean, when I say random, I don't mean to downplay what they're doing, but worship and the life of the congregation is a wonderful means by which people see the embodiment of uh, the gospel. So, so some of the things that we're doing, so, so another thing that I learned from that book is there are events that are important to, to stir some of the uh, enthusiasm about outreach. So we have done something called uh, Art Prize, which is in downtown Grand Rapids, where we did some street preaching. We, we shared uh, evangelistic with, with people walking by. Uh, it's it's really kind of random. You're just meeting lots and lots of strangers who you may never see again. It's kind of similar to Boardwalk Chapel. We've done canvassing. We went to our, our mission work and invited lots of people around the, the church. The youth did that with me. Uh, met lots of people. Had a little bit of opposition, but most people were very, very excited to find out about the church. And uh, this coming Saturday, I'm going to take some people to a retirement center and share the gospel there and kind of music and song kind of lessons and carols type service. So we're doing some events, but my desire for the next phase, my vision for the next phase is I'm having people see what 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 it looks like, uh, the embodiment of what evangelism looks like, is that people would have the confidence to talk about their own testimony. What what how has God taken the word and the gospel and really in their life at harvest seen the glory of Christ in worship and how can they draw other people to see that as well as they invite others into the life of harvest and they're they're woven into the culture of this church um, but then also just overflowing with the joy of Christ and then sharing that personally um, so I do want to I want to have an interplay between events that we coordinate but then also training people to do things evangelistically and just all the ordinary things they're doing yeah thanks for that uh, Dale how would you and uh, the session, I realize Adrian's now a part of the session, but as you and the session thought about calling a man, how would you evaluate 
how this ministry is going, you know, what are you going to look at to see, not, not, not to grade Adrian, but just to, to see if what you all had thought about and what God is doing, how it's going along, what, what things would you look for? Are you looking for numbers? Are you looking for number of people met? Are you just, is it just a sense of how things are going? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we're looking for um, activity, uh, exactly along the lines of what Adrian's talking about. It asks, we recognize it's going to take time. Uh, culture shift is a, is a slow process. But if I think if we're intentional about it um, and, and have a man leading that charge, we're, we're confident. So I'm, um, we're looking at you know, these sorts of things, events. One of the things that Adrian's already fired up for us, we're not on air yet, but all the groundwork's getting laid for a radio ministry. So that will be a new outreach that we've been talking about for years and not just not been able to get to, but Adrian has experience there. But I think what we would look for uh, at, you know, at some point we want to see unbelievers uh, in conversations with harvest members, whether in a small group, a Bible study, uh, coming to, to harvest our worship services on a regular basis, and then starting to be discipled. Uh, one of the things that we're doing on our end was, as Adrian talks about, the holistic scope of it. So our, uh, one of our pastors, Wayne Veenstra, is going to lead a, a something called the Vine Project, which just looks at the church. So he's got about uh, 10 people that he's picked from the congregation to look at how we do ministry, asking very specific questions about, is this engineered geared towards discipleship, evangelism, helping people become Christians and grow in their Christian faith? And and I think that's going to be very helpful to us because you just get used to doing church. It's just the way we do it, right? And you, and if you don't ask those sort of evaluative questions, um, it's going to be hard to make helpful changes. We're not looking to be a seeker-sensitive church. We're just looking to be a church that's very intentional about doing church in a way that um, people coming in the door, we, we've got a plan for how those those people are going to be brought in and and um, engage in the worship and in the fellowship and small groups, whatever it looks like because there, there has to be access points for people from our community. So I think in, in, with, within a year, it'd be nice if we are starting to see people coming in from the community because someone at Harvest asked them, because Adrian and the kids met them out on the street, because they heard the radio program, but they're, and we are prepared then to meet those people and to begin them on a path of discipleship. I'm not looking for any inside information here on this question, but it, it brings a question to mind. Is there church planting in the vision here, either with Adrian or somebody else? Is the thought that if this went really well, likely a group would be raised up somewhere and we can deal with who would go with them and, and all that? Or is that not really a priority in the picture? Just see what happens in the existing church and see what the Lord does and we'll go from there. How, how does that aspect play into your future thoughts? Well, church planting is clearly um, part of our vision. So we, we, you know, we hope to, we would like to plant a church every other year. So uh, Adrian coming here is also to help us in, in that endeavor, whether that be starting something in the Hispanic community, maybe Adrian gets a Bible study going in the Hispanic community, and that's going to take a few years probably to develop. But then we uh, maybe Adrian or we call another man who can come and, and plant a church in the Hispanic community. But uh, I could see Adrian having um, a couple of Bible studies around town and, and hopefully those develop and grow uh, into things that uh, mission works. So church planning is clearly it's not just how do we get more people into harvest church plan. We're, we're all about how do we get people built up 
uh, and trained and enthused and send them out uh, to do church planning. Uh, one of the books that I've read recently by, uh, by J.D. Greer, Gaining by Losing, he just really talks about how, you know, what if the sign of success wasn't how many people you seat, but how many people you send. And I think uh, that's a good thought that the kingdom grows by sending. And, and so we're really trying to get incorporate that in, both in our vision and, uh, and, and what we're pursuing together. Yeah, that's good. That's really helpful. Um, Adrian, I, Dale earlier, when I asked him about what they were looking for in a man, mentioned zeal, mentioned lifestyle. I wonder if you could just give listeners just a little taste of what the Lord has done in you to give you a zeal and a lifestyle. You don't have to commend yourself. Dale's already commended the session seeing those things in you. People hear the name Crumb in the OPC are going to make an immediate connection, might already know you or might say, oh, I wonder if. Could you uh, just talk about <laughs> how the Lord has worked in your life to build that zeal and that lifestyle to bring you to this point? And, and what some of your, as Dale talks about, you know, even the possibility of a Spanish Bible study, I, I can imagine that that's not just words to you. That's something that's stirring in your heart. Could you just kind of take us through that a little bit so that people get to know you a little bit as an evangelist taking on this call? Yeah, for me, um, being a Christian is always more important to me than being a pastor. And the gospel is always most significant to me in terms of the love of God for us in Christ. Evangelism is an outworking for me of the fact that it is just stunning that God has set his love on me through my Savior, Christ. So, I, I like you said, I'm a, I'm a kid raised in the church. I did have questions, actually. Do I want to be a pastor? I know everything that's involved. I know the strains and the difficulties of ministry. Um, but I just desperately wanted people to know the same Savior that, that I had, that, that though I was sinful and twisted and, and disordered in so many ways, God had loved me and shed His love on me. I mean, I think I went to a, a solid liberal arts college, went to a good seminary, had some very, very solid friendships that, that drove the gospel into my heart. Um, but for me, I mean, I need the joy of the gospel every single day. I need to rediscover who Christ is as my rescuer and God and King. Um, so I do think each day is a day for me to rediscover the glory of the gospel so that then I can share that with um, other people. So whether it's evangelism or it's discipleship, whether there's a kid in, in my youth group who thinks they're a Christian and they're going through the motions and I can press them with the claims of the gospel, um, or I am talking to someone that I've met um, through, I, I do, I try to go out once a week and do door to door, just inviting people to church and getting to know people in the community. Um, whether I'm, I'm talking to someone that I've just met, the sense that God has loved me and given himself for me in his son is just the the pulsating beat of my life as a Christian. And and I'm praying, and I, I think the Lord is overflowing that into evangelism and other aspects of ministry. Great. Adrian, Thanks. can you talk a little bit of just about how you grew up and how that became a natural part of who you are? Yeah, so um, one, of the, one of the differences between Protestants in the U.S. and in many other countries is, like, like in this area, so many people would, would, would have a denominational affiliation, like in West Michigan. In California, lots and lots of Calvary Chapel. In Mexico, Protestants are about 10 to 15%. So you're always explaining they, they call them Cristianos and Catolicos. You're either a Christian or you're a Catholic, um, which is their way of referring to Protestants and Catholics. And so you're always having to explain what's the uniqueness of being a Protestant, whether you're in a public school and you're explaining that to kids, 
um, we would go out um, around our churches and invite people to church and pass out flyers. It was it was a more I think it was an ordinary aspect of life as a Mexican Christian to share the gospel. And obviously, my dad is a very very um, zealous and skilled evangelist. I, I saw what that looked like growing up in very ordinary everyday things. Um, so we we hosted mission trips to our home. We called them Team Baja. Dad hosted for about twenty six years. Our family did that. Um, but there was a there was always an evangelistic and a neighborhood outreach type flavor to the the life of being raised on the mission field. And it and it it just didn't feel strange. It didn't feel like oh this is a weird thing that this ch- church is trying to do. It just felt like a, a very you know everyday normal aspect of our life. Mm. That's helpful. I'll for for newer people to the OPC or newer listeners, I'll just close a couple loops. Adrian's dad is David Crum, Pastor Dave Crum, longtime foreign missionary to Tijuana, Mexico in the OPC, and then back to Southern California as a regional home missionary, helping the presbytery raise up new groups, uh, plant new churches. Dave Crum, I, I like to think of Dave Crum sometimes as the Kevin Bacon of the OPC. Everybody's six degrees removed from him. You only need to know one other person <laughs> and you're immediately connected somehow to David Crum. So that just fills in the gaps for some people who who may not know the name and may not know who you are, but it, it's good to hear more of that upbringing and how it was just sort of formed in you. You, you used the word just sort of natural. You saw it, you lived it. And so it's become a yeah. part of, of who you are. Well, thanks you two. We appreciate you taking the time, uh, busy ministries, busy lives to talk about these things. I think people are going to find it really interesting, uh, the, 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 the model of harvest and, and being more on the offense for evangelism outreach. Maybe maybe down the road in a year or two, uh, we can check in, see how things went uh, now that when you're when you're yeah. not just newly on the road, but we're grateful for your time. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Brad. Um, we're all in this together, aren't we? So we, we just need to uh, keep praying for each other and working, working toward the same goals. So thanks yeah, for having us great. on. Great to, great to share um, Christ with, with you, Brad, and um, excited. I'm, I'm really excited about the work of Outward OPC and just grateful to, to see the trajectory of where, where it's headed in our denomination. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.